hipsters, flipsters, and finger popping. Daddies, knock me your lobes. I came to lay Caesar out, not to hip you to him. Podcast Junkies, episode 60. This is the podcaster's voice, aka this show, where we speak to interesting, fascinating, funny, smart, intelligent, witty, all sorts of podcasters that fit those adjectives and people that we like to talk to and have a good time with on the show. And I hope you get that same feeling when you hear the episodes. This week we talked to Motion Melvin. Motion is spelled M-O-C-E-A-N, and there is definitely an interesting story behind that name. That's not the only interesting thing about Mo as well, and I'm, I'm happy we got to hang out a bit at LA PodFest recently, and through a couple of fits and starts, we're finally able to put this episode together. His show is called The Mo Show. It's a sketch comedy show, definitely not safe for work, NSFW for you kids out there, and it's an adult comedy show, so be forewarned, there's some salty language, not only in this podcast, in this episode, but also in his show as well, but um, it was a very entertaining conversation, and I think um, we went pretty deep as to um, the thought process behind why he put the show together, and I really left um, a bit more educated about the history of uh, comedy in in radio and uh, with what's happening in the podcast scene around uh, comedy and, and, and original shows. So I, I was really entertained and I, I think we had a fascinating conversation. Another bit of news is that we are now part of the Podcastica Network, which is amazing news. And that's the network that's um, started up by Jason Kabasi. You may remember the name from episode 56. He of the Walking Dead podcast. So I'm really excited to be partnering with Jason on building that network out. And we've got some uh, some good news coming up uh, around that. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. Before I forget, in case you missed last week's episode, I got to speak to super fun Amy Robles of the Think Enriched podcast. We laughed a lot. She's really hilarious. And it was just so entertaining to get to speak to her. She's got a ton of energy. Um, she's really doing something really positive and, and, and powerful with her, her podcast and um, educating people about the importance of taking control of your finances, but doing it in a way that's so reassuring um, and comforting and really is, is giving a helping hand to folks that need it. Um, and just doing it in a fun way too, not not forgetting that that it's always important to have a good time while you're doing these things. And I think that's one of the reasons why we hit it off. So check it out, episode fifty nine with Amy Robles. But for now, check out the interview with Mister Motion Melvin. Yo, what's up? It's incredible that it's taken this long to put this interview together. I know, but we're gonna defy the defy the gods. We have to. <laughs> We have to make this work somehow, and I'm just happy that it's on. It's on. Thank God. So I guess the question is, why are we even talking? Well, I mean, I want to say, 
you know, shameless self-promotion. But it's actually, uh, you know, I just met this cool guy, Harry, at the uh, PodFest. My friend Jesse said he was cool. I think it'd be great if we just have some conversation. And I was hoping to get some hair notes, basically. Because <laughs> your hair is just amazing, dude. Perfectly sculpted. Thank you. <laughs> it's the first thing I noticed. <laughs> I don't think people understand the hard work that's involved. <laughs> I hear that. So I was curious just how much uh, recommendations mean to you in a podcast no in general yeah in general from friends you know oh yeah the, honestly everything i mean if i it's like if i if i like go on rotten tomatoes for instance and i see a movie that's got uh you know like 35% and jesse lawler comes to me and he goes hey man have you seen x movie I'd be like, yeah, dude, it's got 35%. He's like, yeah, fuck that. It's awesome. Go see it. I'd be like, all right, let's do it. Restaurants, you know, hairstylists, Manny petties. I only listen to my friends. And don't forget a good hot wings <laughs> recommendation as well. That's very important. <laughs> really? It's like, bro, have you tried Buffalo hot wings and Nan's Manny petty down the street, bro? Dude, your toenails. I can't think of any better combination. Add hot wings and a beer and watch the game? Yeah, why not? Wow. It's the ultimate metrosexual experience. And I think inquiring minds really want to know if something like that exists. If not, we're going to have to invent it. I want to know. I want to know about it. <laughs> Could there really be any better combination? Yeah, because if I was eating wings and watching football and drinking beer, I would not feel weird about getting a Manny Petty at the same time. <laughs> the two would just cancel each other out. <laughs> so I'm curious, yeah. uh, how long have you uh, known Jesse? Jesse Lawler and I have been friends since 1994. We met, uh, yeah, we met in college. Um, and the f it's a funny story, actually. I had a uh, creative writing class with his girlfriend at the time. And, um, and, she was hotter than balls, dude. Just this tall, blonde, gorgeous. She actually had turned out to be a model later in real life. And, uh, and so, you know, she was like, Hey, are you an actor? And I was like, yeah, I'm a, whatever you want me to be. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, my boyfriend is doing this movie. And I was instantly like disappointed, but also elated at the same time. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. Well maybe, you know, he, he's looking for somebody and she's like, you would be perfect for the lead. So I was like, nice hook me up, you know? So, so we met and, uh, I was actually the lead character in his first feature film as a student at the university of Oregon up in Oregon. And, um, and he and I, uh, we, we did this movie, like it took us a few months to, to do it. And he was just shooting it on this shitty little camcorder, but, uh, we traveled all over Oregon, what was it called? you know, fake stabbed people. Oh, it was called, um, it was called the monopoly. And it was about a kid, this nerd, this college nerd who finds the plans for a potato gun. Okay. And he, he gets, uh, tracked down by the Irish mafia and, um, <laughs> Idaho militants, <laughs> the two places where they have, you know, who wrote uh, it? Jesse wrote it. This, this is why, this is why this man is my friend. And, um, and uh, I was cast, the, the guy that was cast as my best friend was Ryan Honey, who is a producer on the show, so on the Mo Show. And so me and Ryan and Jesse have been longtime friends. That sounds like a, an awesome friendship. And so you've always been on the uh, West Coast? 
Yeah, I grew up in Santa Barbara, and then uh, my folks moved up there when I was still in high school. So I spent my last two years of high school in Oregon in a small town called Wolf Creek, where um, the favorite pastime of teenagers was um, drinking beer and shooting stuff in the woods. So it was a little bit of a change from um, skating and surf- surfing every day and then moving to that. But then finally I went to college, and it was my salvation. So spent uh, spent four years up there and came down here. So, have you fired a lot of guns? <laughs> I've, I have fired many rifles. <laughs> yeah, my dad, my dad was a big, um, it, was, it was a weird thing because he was a full-on hippie. We, up in the ranch in Oregon, we had tie-dyed teepees <laughs> in the backyard. I mean, we had a huge backyard. It was like, it was like 60 acres or something like that. And um, so, we had tie-dyed teepees in the backyard. We had uh, raised beds where we grew organic food that we cooked and ate ourselves. And, um, and then we had a, a, an armory of shotguns and rifles and pistols and revolvers and all kinds of shit. And we would go and blow up logs in the, in the backyard. And, and, you know, if an animal had to get put down, you know. <laughs> you had to do what you got to do. It's, I'm just uh, wondering how that having those guns around you influenced you growing up or if it affected your outlook, especially with all the crazy shit that's going on now around gun control. Absolutely, man. I mean, I, 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 I definitely consider myself to be a hippie at heart. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm all about peace, love, hanging out, partying, growing out your hair. Um, but I'm also not, I, I, I'm certainly, I mean, just take one look at me. I'm nothing like a hippie, you know what I mean? And I still, and I inherited all those guns from my dad, which I still have. So, I mean, when it comes to gun control, I'm completely conflicted on that issue, right? Because I, you know, I personally, as somebody who just has them for sport, like I don't hunt, I don't do any, I just take them to the range and shoot, you know what I mean? From like, try to get a bullseye. That's pretty much the extent of it, you know? And I mean, I don't even have it like, like all my guns are locked away. Like if my house, if somebody broke into my house, I'd be totally fucked. But, um, but at the, you know, at, at the same time, I'm like, just look at all the crazy shit that's happening in this country. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you look at places like Australia that have no guns at all. And you look at the, the difference between all the gun deaths that are in this country and the gun deaths that are in that country. And I'm kind of like, uh, should we even have these things? You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not going to fucking kill anybody. So I don't know. That's, that's sort of, that's, that's sort of one of the conflicted things that have, that's come out of that, uh, that upbringing for sure. But it seems like if anyone tried to come to your house and take your guns, you'd probably have a problem with that. I would, man. I would, because it's like, yo, I've, I haven't done anything, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, if you give up your guns, and no one else in this country is going to get killed. I'd be like, ah, fine, take them. But it's such a hot button topic. And it seems like there's no right or wrong answer. I know. That's also the other thing about the whole like gun control thing. You know, like people get so defensive about that. And guns don't kill people. People do. And it's like, well, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot to be said on both sides of the argument. But I think the whole gun control issue is kind of a it's kind of a joke. You know what I mean? Like she'd either take away everybody's guns or just put down some serious restrictions. But, you know, I, I, I'm not a political dude. I don't, I'm not going to go toe to toe on anybody with that one. But at this point, you know, my guns are locked away. I only take them out. I use them safely. And in the meantime, you know, I think it's something that we got to work out. 
<laughs> yeah, and when I make it uh, over to your house, we can go shooting somewhere. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Exactly. I can give you. I can even give you a safety uh, a safety debriefing. Very cool. <laughs> Do it. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. But you know, I'm waiting for the zombie apocalypse. When that happens, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> yeah, because when that happens, all bets are off, right? <laughs> exactly. This show's not even political. I don't know how we got here. It's so crazy. <laughs> not at all. I mean, how do we get on this fucking subject? Jesus. I don't even know, man. I mean, I was I was I was thinking we were going to be talking about all the fart jokes and uh, and tits and stuff in our show, but you know, no, let's talk about some serious political issues. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we're going to have to add a page to your site that covers uh, gun control. <laughs> I'm going to add an extra page. Themoshow.com slash gun control, not gun control. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll get uh, those two worlds. Well, who knows? I'm, I'm tra- I was wondering if you'd actually get those two worlds colliding, but uh, I'm sure stranger things have happened. So... Talking a little bit about your show, I'm I'm really fascinated by um, the way you've put the show together. And when uh, when Jesse told me about it, I was really intrigued, and I and I blasted through all the episodes. <laughs> really, I think it was in in the span of one day, and I was like, man, this guy's doing something really crazy. Um, and I knew I wanted to chat with you about it. But what was amazing was all the intricate intricate ways you've put together the production yeah um it's obvious you guys know what you're doing it's obvious you've got a ton of talent there yeah and i think what you're doing is is really awesome i mean you're you're scripting the show and you're you're putting a lot of time into not only the quality but the production and that's why you've only come out with a few um a few episodes per per uh per week or per month sorry mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering if you could just talk about uh the genesis of that show and um everything that you've thought about as you put it together I mean you kind of nailed all of the elements that were sort of pre-existing before we started that um that kind of led to this really I mean the the sort of like the the conception of this happened back in like 2009, 2010, something like that. Um, I was, I was working for, um, I was the voice of a car company and I, there was, um, and it was one of those dream jobs in VO, you know, where you're working almost every single day and they were cranking out lots of different radio and TV spots. And it was really like the big break in my career. And, um, I was working with this guy who, uh, with this ad agency in Florida and I was connecting with them through ISDN. Um, and for your listeners who don't know, ISDN is basically a way to connect remotely to another studio. It's basically like a really beefed up phone line. And so, um, I had these daily ISDN sessions with this engineer, um, who is our engineer now, a guy named Dominic. And, um, and this was, you know, on his end, he had an entire agency looking over his shoulder, making sure that everything was great. Editors, writers, producers, all that stuff. And I had like pretty much just me and my agents looking over my shoulder, making sure that I kept the job, you know? So both of us were kind of under a lot of pressure to like do a good job, be professional and, um, you know, like crank out things in a timely manner and in with really good quality. And so we're, you know, we'd been doing this gig for, you know, for a few months and, and, and it was all pretty, you know, your standard stuff like, um, you know, uh, 
the tent event this Sunday with, you know, t- all, all of that shit you hear in car commercials, like um, $500,000 cash back or 0% APR, that kind of stuff. $500,000, that's a lot. <laughs> but anyway, it was usually more like 5500 Half a million dollars. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, seriously. And the car? Awesome. So, um, so basically, we're in this professional situation and... And we're, we're sitting there and like, he's, you know, he's and and, you know, once we got down to like the nitty gritty day, day in, day out, we both knew our jobs. It was just me and him. And so one day he just, he just cracked some really inappropriate joke. And there was this moment of silence where I could tell he was waiting to hear what my reaction was going to be. And I was like, did he just fucking say that? And then both of us just started laughing our asses off. And we both sort of realized like, oh shit, like we have the same sense of humor. We have the same. So we just sort of like developed this rapport where we were just cracking each other up with the raunchiest, most unprofessional, un-PC kind of humor that you could think of. But he's he's sitting in a multi-million dollar studio all day long. He's got sound effects. He's got music beds. He's got incredible skills because this is all he's been doing for the past 10 years. And so I basically, you know, after after a, a couple of weeks of like once we realized we were both cool, I just wrote out this commercial. Um, and it was called Compton Dream Vacations. Nice. And it was basically about like a, a, a company that takes you and your family down to Compton to, and sets you up in a, you know, like a nice B&B, gives you an AK-47 and a 6.4 and, and sends you out, you know, to do as you will as a gangster. And I sent it to him just as a joke. Like I, I wrote it out and I, I voiced it and I sent it to him just as a lark, you know, like, wouldn't this be funny? He comes back at me and it's got full production, sound effects. He's added some VO. He's created all this incredible shit. And, and it was just, and it was amazing. And it was like, you know, it was like 60 seconds of pure, highly produced, highly offensive and highly hilarious voiceover. So we're like, dude, we got to do so. So we did a few more spots and we fucked around and, and we were like, dude, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to And, uh, you know, nothing came of it. Of course took us, you know, like for, for six, seven years, nothing happened. Well, it's a long time. Yeah. So, or like, yeah, like 2009. So it was like six, you know, like five years, nothing happened. And then, you know, I, in the meantime, I had talked about this with all of my other actor and writer friends and, um, started taking classes at, um, the groundlings, which is an improv, uh, improv school and UCB also, um, here in, in LA. And, and a lot of my friends were also, you know, good friends from college, people that I met while I was here, they, they were, they all, we were all sort of like, we talked about it and I, pl- I would play them some stuff that me and Dominic did and they, and they thought it was really funny. And then all of a sudden, like just this, just within our group of friends, like the, it just started to heat up and everybody was like, oh, let's do this. And everyone started to have ideas. And so finally it was like, yo, let's, let's just have a meeting and get some people together and see, and, and see what people think. And, um, and everybody was just completely on board with it. And the thing that made it easy, which <laughs> at the time we thought it was going to be easy, um, we're like, we've got a professional engineer with um, all like with a, a fully stoked out studio. He can edit everything. He's been doing this for like 15 years now. The guy can make everything sound really amazing. 
And we've got a bunch of comedy writers, people who have been all the way through all of these, you know, sketch comedy and improv programs. We've got, I know a bunch of voiceover people who are all pros. Let's see if we can put all this together into something. And of course, everyone was like, well, the obvious thing is a podcast. You know, um, if the only format that we've got is audio, even though this isn't like what would be considered a typical podcast, we could put it out as one. And so, um, so we got together and we just decided to do it. And, um, and that was, that was about a year and a half ago now. And, uh, so we just got together and we started writing and we just wrote a bunch of sketches and then, and then that's when we, we had this big bank of sketches and we decided what the show was going to be about. And, uh, and then we, we were off to the races from there, man. Sounds like you had a lot of ideas for what would work and, like to your point, you underestimated how much effort it would actually be involved to do it all. Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, we thought like, man, we've got this entire structure in place. All we got to do is like plug in some ideas, you know, we'll just like plug in some ideas in this end and some awesome shit's going to come out the other end, you know? And, uh, and no, I, I completely underestimated how much work it was going to be because, you know, we, we, we set a really high bar for ourselves in terms of production value and we wanted it to sound great. And if something sounded like, you know, it was something just some guy put together in his, in his studio by himself on his Mac with like a USB mic and some sound effects, we're like, no, 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 no. This has got to sound professional. It's got to be at the level that we all already work at in our professional careers. So, um, so then, you know, we, like the learning process, like the writing process was really fun. You know, we wrote uh, all these episodes and we were recording them as we were writing them. And, you know, once, once we got the mic set up and the room set up, that's when I really realized, oh shit, this is going to be a lot of work because, you know, I had to set up all the, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, I had to set up all of the audio interfaces, make sure I had enough. Uh, I had a computer that was powerful enough. I had to set up all the mics, wire the mics, stands for them, you know, sandbags to make sure they don't fall over, copy stands, um, carpeting on the copy stands. So there's no, I mean, it, just the technical setup was insane. But that was, I mean, that part was cool because I, I actually like that stuff. You know, I, I don't mind doing, doing some, you know, grip work and some audio engineering kind of work. And, um, so that part was actually fun. Uh, but really when like the, the, the night, well, I don't want a nightmare is kind of a strong word, but like the real challenge came with the post-production. It was when, the voiceover was all recorded, like the, the episodes had been written, the, the voiceover was all recorded, and now it was time, and it was my job, to cut down all of that voiceover into, um, you know, to... Cohesive story. A, co a cohesive story, exactly. And, you know, that's what we call the dry cut, when it's just the voiceover, and it's all multi-tracked so that the, the engineers can manipulate it the, the way that they want. So that's one part of the process. And then next, I have to prepare the script. And so the record script, like what the actors are reading in the room, looks a lot different from the actual like post-production script where I have to write in all of the sound effects and um, then I have to pick the music and we, we licensed a bunch of music. So I have to go on and listen to a bunch of songs and that takes a good 
two, three hours per episode just to pick all that music and then write in the music, but also not like, like, okay, so start the song at five seconds, write at this line, play it until 32, then splice it together at 48 and pop that, you know, so it's just like bananas, really detailed major, like, you know, and it's like, this is like one of those moments where it's like, I wish I did crystal meth because this would probably (laughs) be really fun if I did, you know? And so, um, and so, then once that's done, got to send it like we call it the package, you know, where we send off the the VO, the script and all the music cues. And um, and then add in. We also we have a composer who does original songs. So I have to sometimes I have to like get like, you know, like blow some singers <laughs> or just to bribe them to come in and like sing. You know, it's like, hey, I'll buy you a beer, you know, and uh come in and like sing some stuff and then, um, and then have the composer like put it all together and then send that along with the package as well. And then once, you know, once the engineers got it, you know, he's got his work to do and then he sends it back. We give him notes. I have to talk to the head writer of the episode to see what they think about it. And then, you know, a lot of times we'll butt heads on, you know, like this sounds good. No, I don't, I don't like, I'd rather it was like this. And it's like, well, you know, I wrote the episode, but I'm like, yeah, well, I'm the fucking director and I have the last word, but I don't want to be an asshole, but that's just not going to play, you know? And they're like, fuck you. That's not at all what I wrote. So, um, <laughs> it's actually not like that, but we, but you know, but we do have to have discussions about what works and what doesn't. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, and then we'll send it off. But so that's where it was like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? You know, what you just outlined is so crazy and it's probably making every single podcaster who's listening head spin. Yeah. And it's just the amount of detail. Nobody does that for their show. Right. And on top of everything else, it's all offensive stuff. Definitely offensive. Somebody's offended out there. I'm sure. I mean, there's no way you can do that without, um, pushing someone's buttons out there yes and you the thing the way that you work at this yep is at a pace that's so crazy and so professional yeah right i just don't understand how you do it i wonder how much you think about all these things that nobody else thinks about and how or why you decided that this is something you you would have to approach from that professional level because when podcasters think, or when they get started, typically a lot that we meet, they think about this at a bare minimum level. Yeah. And I need a $60 mic, mm-hmm. I need a hosting account, and I need you know an idea of what my show is going to be about so that right. I can get it up and I can record 10, 15, 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you would be able to do that for your show yeah. doesn't compute. <laughs> right. And it just means that because of what you were working, the, the space that you were working in, you were definitely not going to cut corners. Yeah. It just wasn't in you. Sure. And then on top of everything else, the subject matter that you picked for the show is, you know, let's make it as raunchy as possible and offend as many as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think a big part of like the raunchiness of it actually is a little bit of a reaction to how clean we all have to be in our normal 
professional careers. Yeah, because you've had all this pent up frustration from your jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, you look at you look at a guy like Dominic, right? So so this dude works like 10 hours a day, sometimes 12 hours a day. He's got he's got editors, he's got producers, he's got writers, he's got people on his back and looking over his shoulder all day long. And he handles his job with incredible grace. I mean, I know I've, I've, I've been there on the line with him when like five people have walked in and they've all requested something that they need right this second. And he's, you know, he, he handles it with incredible grace and, and total professionalism. And he, you know, he never, he never drops the ball. He's, he's always on top, but you can imagine the stress that that creates for him. And so for us as VO people, you know, we've, we've always, you know, we've, we've got to hit our marks. We've got to be clean. We've got, we've got to sell shit that we don't like ourselves. And, um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, we're, although we're, it, it's the world that we live in and it's the world, honestly, that, that we love. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing this, right? Like the world of like trying to be compelling with your words, and, you know, we're, we're all wordsmiths and we, we, we love the art of communication, but 99% of what we do is rated G. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you'll be in a session and not just with Dominic, but it's just in a regular session and somebody will crack some horribly un PC joke, but everybody laughs at it because we've been doing this incredibly PC work. And so, you know, you sort of, and then you look at like a lot of the um, like the uh, like the people who are, do sketch comedy and all that stuff, and and it's 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 looser here in L.A., but there's still but there's still you know restrictions, and so we basically we now we have a platform where we can say whatever we want, you know, and we can do whatever we want, and it's 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 really freeing and wonderful, and. We try to make it clear, you know, in our in our intros and in the show, like, hey, this might not be for you, you know. So if this isn't, then don't listen to it. But if if you want, you know, if you want to cut loose, if you want to make fun of all the commercials that you see every day, if you want to make fun of the promos, if you want to kind of get a little insight into the wacky life of, you know, of, of, of a voiceover person, then, you know, check it out. But it's been a lot of fun for us, and we have gotten to blow off a lot of steam. And there's definitely some, a few of our episodes out there where I'm like, I hope my mom doesn't listen to that one. <laughs> it's crazy that yeah, your mom would actually be listening. I, I know, right? Oh, that's nice, dear. Oh, <laughs> what's become of you? Where did I go wrong? I'm sure you do everything in your power to make your mom proud. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, it's funny. Actually, my mom is one of our biggest fans. She loves the show. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That, that's probably true. <laughs> Sorry, mom. But it's so amazing that she's a fan because she she's proud of what you're doing. So it's almost like no matter what you do, she'd be proud of you. So she's a supporter. Yeah. So I'm wondering the core group, the the folks that got it started i know it's the most show but who was there at the beginning yeah um well you know we the sort of core crew is me 
Ryan, who's our producer, who sometimes sort of guests, writes, and he actually wrote an episode and and does some uh, a little bit of VO. But we've got four head writers. We actually just brought on another one for the second season. So, and then the, and then we have two, um, and then we have two people who are uh, sort of like our go to VO people. A guy named Ryan Carlberg and Andy McAfee. And, um, Ryan's, Ryan's more of an actor, but he's a great friend of ours. And, and Andy is a long time on camera and VO person. And you've heard her on all kinds of stuff. So, so that would bring, you know, so that being the, bring the crew to shit, I wasn't counting the whole time. Yeah. About like 10, 11 people. But, um, but we, because I know a lot of pro VO people, we, you know, we have guys that are, you know, established in the, in the world who are more than happy to come and do and mock themselves basically, you know, because they, they all have that same thing too, where they'd like to cut loose, but they got to be professional all the time. You know, like there's a guy named William Salyers, um, Bill Salyers, who's on, um, Oh God, he's going to kill me if I get this wrong. The regular show. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I think he, that's, he, that's close enough. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't, it's not that he's listening. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Bill, if I got that wrong. Anyway, he's, you know, he's, he's amazing. He's such a talented dude. And he was more than willing to come in and, and, and just like go off the rails. And he, I mean, he, he's like, he did one of our more like offensive risque, uh, scenes, you know, um, it's in the uh, it's in the black is the new black, uh, uh, which is our latest episode, and uh, and and he, he man he had no problem going there you know and and we you know it's like it's pretty much like whatever we put in front of people they'll say it and and I and I think you know it's just it gives regular VO people a chance to like come in and do what they do so well but without any restrictions you know what I mean they can say whatever they want and. And, you know, everybody has fun. And, and so, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to reaching out to more people for the, um, you know, for the uh, second season. And, and we're going to, we're going to try to get some folks who are, you know, like in the upper echelon of the VO and animation world, you know, like I got some targets, John DiMaggio, if you're listening, want to get you on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can tweet about it. Make sure he knows all about the Mo show. All right, good. Because some at some point this will be really famous yeah absolutely sounds good he's a cool guy from what i hear i'm wondering if this eventually would become something like uh i think it was dexter where actors were trying to be do the cameo of the dead body on the show Um, i think it would just be something cool right because all these folks like you said are in their jobs where they have to play it straight laced and now the Mo Show is the cool place to come and let your hair down. But I'm also wondering, like, what is it that separates the the folks that are at this high level that you're talking about? You know, why are they so special from a, a voiceover perspective? Well, I think there's, uh, well, I can I can speak for myself and see that there's really there's really two things. One of them is just their talent. You know, I mean, you look at John DiMaggio, that guy, he's just got such incredible range. He's, um, he's Bender on Futurama and a bunch of other shit, which of course I'm blanking on right now, but he's just got such incredible range and, and you can tell that he's having so much fun and 
and from hearing secondhand, because I, you know, of course I'm like just twice removed from this guy. Like I know a million people who've worked with him personally and they're all like, he's so gracious. He's so sweet. He's, he's, he's such a great guy. And he, he also just came out with a, an amazing VO documentary called, I know that voice, um, which basically he just interviews everybody who's anybody in the world of animation and voiceover. And you can tell that he loves what he does and he loves the people that he works with. And he um, is just incredibly generous with his talent, with his time. And um, he really celebrates the, um, the, the, the craft of voiceover. And so it's, you know, I look at him and I'm like, man, if I could just, if I could be like him, you know, and he's also just got incredible range in terms of like the genres of voiceover. He can do trailer, he can do promo, he can do animation, he can do characters, he can do light characters, he can do serious characters, you know, he's just, and, and so it's people like that who really blow me away. And I could, I mean, I could name 20 dudes who, who are just like that, you know? And so, you know, those are the guys that, that I really look up to and hope to be like someday. Did you see um, In a World? Yeah, I did. That was an interesting take on uh, the state of women in voiceovers. Um, I'm wondering what you think or how that relates to what the industry is like now. Um, I would say from what I know of the industry, it's an accurate portrayal of what the industry was like about five years ago, five, 10 years ago. Okay. Because um, so much of it happens in like an actual studio where, you know, she's, you know, every time she goes to record something she's in, she has to go to a studio. And the vast majority of people who work um, on a regular basis doing trailer and promo, they have a home studio. And, and that's, that's not a new thing, but it's, it's much more the norm now, you know, um, you know, you look at the, the great Don LaFontaine and, um, when he was, you know, you hear all these legendary stories about how he, he used to be, um, you know, driven in a limo, in a tuxedo to all of his sessions and, uh, and he had to drive around town, but eventually, you know, he was one of the first guys to create his own studio. And so I, for a while, it's, I think it was sort of a luxury to kind of have that. Um, but then around like around 2007, that's when I got the Nissan gig with, uh, with Dominic and it was a requirement for me to have my own studio. And so that's when I had to, <laughs> I had to borrow $6,000 from my girlfriend at the time and, um, I had to build, you know, my own studio in my closet. And so, um, so yeah. Uh, so for me, it got to the point where it was like, yeah, okay, you have, if you want to continue working in this industry, you need to get your own studio. And so that movie, well, I gotta say it's a fucking great movie. I mean, it's just, it's a standalone good movie. Even if you're not into voiceover, it's just a great story and it's well done. It's well written and everything like that. And so, um, and, and a lot of it, yeah, it was, it, it was true, you know, like those, those big gigs come out and, you know, you, you hear tell about it and if you're up for it, it's a big deal, you know? And, and so, um, while it's not, I, I think that that sort of like, um, gossipy isn't the right word, but like that, that sort of buzz around jobs, I, I think is more prevalent in like the on-camera acting world. But, um, you know, it's there's still like big deals like that that come along in, in voiceover as well. 
So what do you think the current state of affairs is for women now in voiceovers? Man, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I think it's getting better. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that it's still like the vast majority. I mean, all you got to do is watch TV for a while and you realize the vast majority of voiceover out there is, is for men. Um, but I, I personally am of the opinion that there should be more female voiceover out there. I mean, that's just a personal preference. I mean, I just, I just prefer listening to a woman's voice, I think a little bit better. Um, but I, I think it's getting better. Um, you know, um, Andy McAfee, who is, um, who is a, who, who I mentioned earlier, who's part of the crew. She, you know, she does a lot to kind of fight for the women's rights in the, in the world of voiceover. And, you know, when, it, and there's, there's a lot of changes I think that need to be made, but, um, I think it goes beyond just the world of voiceover. You know, I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. And I think people still feel like, you know, a man's voice has more authority or more gravitas. Um, and so I, I think that that's probably going to, that's probably going to continue for the foreseeable future, but it seems to me like there are more opportunities coming up for women. And I think that's a good thing. And I think there should be more of it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it paints a more realistic picture of what this world is now anyway. I mean, there's not 90% guys yeah. walking around the street. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, unfortunately I think a lot of like a, a lot of female VO happens with, you know, um, feminine products and beauty products and stuff like that. And, and, and also like, um, if you listen to or, or watch discovery ID, there's all of these like salacious, you know, like murderous wives and, you know, I married a murderer or whatever like that. And, and, and to me, it's, it's a little, you know, like I said, it's a little salacious. It's a little sellouty. It's a little gossipy. And, um, so, but it's not, I mean, like those things happen with men too, but I, I just sort of feel like, you know, sometimes female VO gets a little misused that way, but, um, yeah, it sounds like that would be fodder for an upcoming Mo show episode. <laughs> that topic would be ripe for, for picking. Hmm. <laughs> Give me some ideas here. Yeah, actually, Andy has mentioned that. I'm going away because I'm writing a note down. Um, but uh, yeah, Andy keeps mentioning that because she's up for all of those, right? And she's perfect for it. And she, you know, she nails those reads. Um, but it's an interesting opportunity that you have with the show for topics like this, where you can pick something that you or the group want to talk about and work it into this, the scripts. Yeah, absolutely. We try to do that as much as possible, you know, because, um, you know, we're not a, we're not a political podcast. We're not trying to make any statements, but we, but we all definitely have very strong opinions about all that stuff. So we definitely try to, you know, point things out that that's actually a, a really great step for us, you know, to, to, to kind of point out the state of women in voiceover today you know, what's getting chosen. Yeah, because it, the show, I mean, it's your show, right? You can decide what you want to put on and what topics you want to cover. But if there's an opportunity to, to just highlight something that just sticks in your craw, why not? Absolutely, man. I mean, 
we've learned so much in in the process of writing and listening to the stuff that we've produced already. And, um, you know, there's, there's been, you know, we had an episode, it was, um, I think it's one thirteen, the stinky dinky, uh, which we delayed by, you know, four or five episodes because we wrote, you know, like we, we wrote, it's basically like the part of the storyline is that, um, my ISDN tech support guy, this guy named Charlie Majumdar comes over from India and, um, he's like really into American culture and, um, we, we sort of like, we had him come over and, and he's like really into American culture and really into American women. And, you know, he just wants to, he just wants to come over and get laid. And he thinks that really like that's all Americans care about. And so we tried to tackle that issue and we, we literally did like three or four entire rewrites of this one scene where, you know, me and Charlie go out to originally it was a bar and then, and he's like walking around, like slapping women and like, just like America, I love it here. You know, like that kind of stuff. And, and we're just like, that is, that's just, that's just offensive. And like, nobody gets the message. And then we re I tried to rework it so that it was at like a chiller jazz bar and that didn't work either. And then, so finally we, we ended up in a place where I'm actually like really happy where it ended up, where he and I go out to a coffee shop. And he starts like ruthlessly hitting on women. And then at one point, like somebody's like, he gets slapped and then he slaps her back. And then I, I make this comment, like, you can't do like, what are you doing? You can't do that. You can't go around slapping people and hitting on them. And like, and like, you're just, this is being really offensive. And he's like, and, and he's like, why? I thought this was, this was like, this is the American way. And I'm like, name, name one person, name one person who, whose life hasn't been ruined by acting that way. And he's like, well, I can't name one but I can name 12 OJ Simpson, Michael Fassbender, Sean Cotton. Like he just rattles off this whole thing, Ray Rice, you know? And, 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 and he's like, he's like, not only are these, did these guys get away with it, but they're celebrated in this community. And I'm like, I guess you're right. You know what I mean? So, so we're not, we're trying not to hit the nail on the head necessarily. I mean, we might be, some people would think, but, but really like, we're just, you know, with, with that kind of stuff, we're trying to point it out. And when it comes to those really sensitive issues, we're, we're definitely trying to work on making it funny, you know, and, and pointing it out through humor. Like John Stewart is the, is like a perfect example of, of, of that, you know? And so we're, we're aspiring to be more that way. And I'm sure along the line, people are, people are just not going to get it. They're going to, they're going to take it out of context or they're going to think that we didn't do it well. And, you know, yeah, sorry, can't please everyone. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what's interesting about the approach is the the people that you offend yeah. are going to be offended pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's a unique opportunity for you to find out who are the people that don't vibe with the show. Well, you know, I, we actually, we actually welcome haters. Like we're, we're at, we're actually kind of uh, disappointed that we haven't gotten into any Twitter wars with anybody. You know what I mean? I think we just need to get more people to listen to the show because we're, we're like, we're waiting for the backlash, you know, and so far it hasn't come yet, but, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think as like, whether it's subtle or explicit, I think it's pretty clear what the point of view of the show is. And when did you decide that? the season format was something that you wanted to use for the podcast. 
pretty much when we first started um, because I think we didn't really know what we were getting into yet. And, you know, most of us have worked in the, you know, the, the film and television industry where there's, there's seasons, you know, and, um, and a production schedule and a sort of like a, a way to meter out the workflow. And, um, and so pretty much right, right from the start is when we, you know, we decided we were going to do, First, we decided we were going to do 26 episodes. And then, you know, we got halfway through and, and I was like, can we knock off two? Because <laughs> this is brutal. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, like, so, so that was pretty much when we, uh, we decided we were going to do that season format. And, um, and, and that's another part that we've gotten a lot better at is figuring out that workflow, you know, like, na- like many just put us, so we're having, we're having our, our like, um, kickoff meeting for season two, uh, at the beginning of next month. And many just sent out this big, long email about like, like now we actually feel like a production company. Like she's, she's, she is like a line producer and she's like coordinating everything out and, um, it's actually really exciting now to be working under a structure. And I realized that, you know, at, at first it was like, nah, let's just, we'll take it as it comes. It's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll figure it out. And now I'm like, let's figure it out now, <laughs> you know, let's figure it out now. And let's like figure out how we're going to do this and when we're going to do this. And so hopefully it's going to go a lot smoother. Because what you're doing is, is incredible. The, I think it, that people underestimate it when they hear the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't think they realize, obviously after hearing this interview, they now do, but <laughs> they uh, they might have taken for granted the level of professionalism that you're bringing right. into this podcast. And like I alluded to earlier, it's not something that you see very often. And so I, I applaud you and the team for having that uh, that high level of professionalism yeah and deciding that when you wanted to start a podcast that you wanted to to bring that 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 professionalism that you have in your job to this because i think you realized it was the only way that folks were going to take you seriously yeah because you could have just done like another comedy podcast that was just you know mm-hmm. toilet humor uh with right. shitty sound and something that sounded like it was just patched together in somebody's basement but you and i both know the reaction what the reaction to that would have been mm-hmm. and it it just wouldn't have been taken seriously right and so kudos on on having that foresight yeah yeah well thanks man i mean i you know i I, I love, I, I love podcasts. I love listening to, to interviews and, and, and like there's, there's people out there who are doing some really, really incredible shit, you know, and just talking into a microphone with them or a couple other people or one other person or something like that. And, um, and, and it's great. It's just not, that's just not what we do. You know what I mean? Like, and a part of this was, I want to work with my friends. You know, I want to do something creative with people that I like and people that I think are funny and people that I want to work with. And it just sort of seemed like, well, what can we do? And this, this was it. And, and we, we realized we're in the, we're in, I don't want to say like we're in a category by ourselves, but, um, there's, we've been looking out there and we would love to hear if, if there's, if there's other shit out there, we would love, you know, to find them and, and listen to it. 
Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that we felt was not only something that we wanted to do, but something that was missing out there. And, um, and we didn't want to bring sand to the beach, you know what I mean? And, and this is something that we, you know, we believed in, we thought would be fun. And here's my cat saying, what's up? Um, it's my cat, Chitara, everyone. She's named after a Thundercat. Um, you actually look like a, a James Bond villain. <laughs> yes. Mm, no, she hates that. Oh my God. She's calling the shit out of me. Okay. <laughs> um, now she's been traumatized. Um, what the hell was I talking about? Oh yeah. So, but another thing is, and something that I want to mention, um, and something that I can hopefully turn on your your listeners about is um, back in like the '60s and '70s, there there were actually a lot of audio comedy troops. Um, one of them was Fire Sign Theater. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they they did. Um, they did, uh, a, a, it was, it's a lot more psychedelic than what we do. Um, but we try to emulate them at certain points. Uh, but it was basically like just wacky psychedelic sixties humor. And, and they do a lot of sketches, but they also do just a lot of really weird sound design. Um, Lord Buckley is another great one who, um, and, and all of this stuff is on like YouTube and, uh, Amazon and everything like that. They all have albums. Um, Lord Buckley was like a, 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 a soloist. He was, he was, uh, he, he had a jazz band behind him and he would just riff, you know, he would do things like he would take old Shakespearean monologues and change them into like this hipster thing. So he had, um, you know, like, uh, Mark Antony speech in, uh, Julius Caesar began with friends, Roman countrymen, lend me your ears. I came to bury Caesar, not to praise him. And so he, so he changed his version was, Hipsters, flipsters, and finger popping. Daddies, knock me your lobes. I came to lay Caesar out, not to hip you to him. So, and he would do crazy shit where he would do like kind of like his own sound effects. He did this thing where um, he did this sketch where it was like a, uh, a, he had this jazz band behind him, but it, he did this sort of like train sketch where it was like, uh, Platform five going to Hipsville, Tripsville, Godsville, Triple Bab, Bibbida Bing, Dibbida Bing, Woo Woo, all aboard, tickets, ma'am. You know, and he so and he would do this crazy, like, you know, schizophrenic, like brain fucking stream of consciousness thing that would blow your mind. And um and so uh, you know, those and and there's all like Ken Burns, um uh, word jazz um, and uh, Joe Frank's another guy that did a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, the people that know about those guys are crazy about them. Like, Oh my God, because it's something that sort of feels like this, like a, like a little bit of like an underground thing that not too many people know about. And, um, but it's great stuff. I mean, in this world where, you know, if you're going for a walk, going jogging in your, you know, in your car, at the gym, whatever. There's all these opportunities to, you could just like pop in your earbuds and listen to something. And there's a lot of really amazing content out there that isn't just one guy giving a lecture about something or one guy or like one comedian talking to another. And don't get me wrong. I love all that stuff. And I listen to that shit like crazy, but, um, there's, I think there's a, there's this, this big, well of content that's out there in the world that a lot of people just don't know about. 
And why would they? Well, there's so much being thrown at us nowadays, right? Yeah. And not all of it is premium content. And there's only so much time in the day to listen to all this stuff. And so how do you decide what you want to listen to? I mean, I love <laughs> these... Uh, Dan Carlin, for example, uh, Hardcore History, it's amazing. But, I mean, what type of investment is that? It's so crazy that we have to pick and choose. It's a nice problem to have, but uh, we've got to be super selective. Yeah. yeah. It's like, sorry, Dan Carlin, I love history, but I don't have three hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering, would all of that, those cool shows that you outlined, like who, who turned you on to that? My dad. Really? Yeah, yeah. He um, he he actually knew a lot of those guys. He was, I mean, just a little side note. He was he was um, a DJ on one of the first FM radio stations to play rock and roll in the '60s and in um, in San Francisco. Um, it was a couple of radio stations. One of them's KMPX, and the other one was KSAN, and they were considered underground radio at the time, and um, they were playing you know, Jimi Hendrix and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young back before, you know, they were getting any radio time at all. And so they were into the sort of like, um, you know, they were, they were all hipsters and into, you know, like underground beat poet shit. And, and, um, and so these like spoken word poets were coming out at the time and he just loved all of those guys. And so, you know, when I was a kid, we would listen to that stuff and, uh, and I loved it, man. Even back then, even as a teenager, I was like, this is really cool, you know? Uh, so I'm wondering, like, what was the, what else was, was going on at that time? Well, at that point, when it came to, you know, listening, oh, you mean back to, like, when my dad was, was on or when I was a kid? Yeah, more so for you. Like, what, was the, what were the influences for you on the radio? Oh, shit. I mean, the only thing that was on the radio was, you know, classic rock, smooth jazz. And, and like, you know, I was, I, I was in the Pacific Northwest in the nineties. So I listened to a lot of grunge and, you know, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains and all those guys. But, um, you know, when it came to just like audio stuff, you know, we were, we would listen to, um, standup shit like Eddie Murphy, um, Adam Sandler. I don't know if they're all going to laugh at you. I don't know if you remember that was really fucking funny. That was a lot of sketch comedy stuff, but kind of lower production value than what we do. And, um, you know, that's, that stuff was all really fun to, to, to be like, Hey, have you heard this? And it's like, what? It's just a CD or, you know, or a tape, you know, I can just listen to that in my Walkman. And, uh, and you know, so it was fun back then, but you know, it never really took off as like a popular kind of genre, you know? I don't think it's ever really been a super popular genre, but it's almost like you're, you're giving us a rebirth of that. Trying to, you know, and trying to make it interesting for people. And, and, uh, well, I, I think you're definitely succeeding because it's just fascinating as I, as I think about what I was going to learn when we started the interview mm -hmm. based on what I knew about you. Yes. That this, it was the, just the, the, the in-depth, like the history, like uh, the level of detail. It's almost like painting this whole entire picture of how you're taking something which somebody probably doesn't think that highly of. Absolutely. Like comedy, like lowbrow comedy for that matter. Yes, right. And then 
applying this extreme level of professionalism that touches upon all these folks that you just mentioned. Yeah. And in a way pays homage to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just fascinating as I think through it and think through all the detail and, and of what you're doing, how much more intricate it is that you guys, what you guys are doing. Yeah, man. I just think that there's, you know, we have so many options in this world and it's like, there's so many fucking options to entertain yourself with that it, it all really gets buried. And it seems to me like the things that are most popular are the things that you can, you know, like an Instagram post or like a five second gif where you, you know, you get entertained for five, 10 seconds and then you move on to the next five second clip, whether it's visual or audio or whatever. And, you know, you know, my, my brother, uh, my brother, Dave is the one who turned me on to this guy, Joe Franks, who's this dude that I mentioned to you earlier. And he used to have a show on KCRW on Sunday mornings. And Dave would tell me, God, it was, you know, I just loved every Sunday morning, you know, I would just lay in bed and listen to Joe Franks and, you know, for the entire time that he was on the air and, and he's, and he's got like an experience attached to it. And, uh, I was talking to, uh, an, another friend of mine, an older guy who's, um, like in his sixties and he was, he was telling me about uh, fire sign theater, which was one of these other guys in the sixties. And, and he's like, you know, we used to smoke joints and just sit down and in a group and just listen to these and laugh our asses off. And, 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 um, and it was just like the, the Cheech and Chong records when I was in high school, you know what I mean? Like we'd get together and, and just like, Hey, which one do you have? Let's listen to it. And then we'd like talk about it the next day. And, and, you know, but that was back when there wasn't like a thousand things you could do first, you know, that we're going to entertain you a lot faster and in a lot shorter way. So, um, so look, I mean, we're not trying to change the way that people listen to podcasts or get entertained, but, you know, hopefully for the people that are looking for it, when they, if they want like a, you know, a, a 15 minute complete escape from reality to be entertained, you know, then great. Check this out, you know? Yeah, but it's not just it's not just any old fifteen minutes. It's you're not doing it justice by saying that. I, I think it's it's something that you guys take a lot of pride in, and have put a lot of effort into. So it's clear that you want to take some of that flavor and 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 put that into your shows. And I'm just wondering, you know, obviously those people are influenced, um, and it sounds like. Your your brother was influencing you as well as your father. Absolutely. And so when you when you break down all those pieces, you really you really come away with a, a layered, um, yeah, product that's really more than just uh, a silly comedy show. And it's and it's something that yeah, um, I'm coming to realize when when I think about how seriously you guys take this because. Um, I, I feel that it's something that the word should get out about the show. Like I hope so. More people should listen to it, uh, and more people should give you, um, you know, the fifteen minutes and and see if it's something that's for them. Awesome, man! Yeah, thank you for that. The other question is whether you were born with this voice. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, at six years old, I was. Uh, 
I was singing baritone in a uh, barbershop quartet and <laughs> smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. You know, I think it's it, it it's funny for me personally. I you know my my dad had a really deep voice, and when mine changed around like I don't know fifteen sixteen years old, I would answer the phone and people would think that I was my dad, and and so I, I guess certainly a part of it is like the natural instrument that you're that you're given, um, but uh, no matter how beautifully golden and amazing your voices you still have to train it and that's a that's a common thing um take note aspiring vo people a lot of people come up to me and they'll say i've been thinking about getting into like this is a stock like i could write this down on a fucking card and you know just give it to people to hand out It, it basically it's like i've been thinking about getting into voiceover people tell me i have a great voice and i'm really good with accents and characters so what should I do? And, you know, at first I'd be kind of encouraging like, oh, that sounds really good. Well, maybe take a class and do a demo. And now and now it's like, well, are you ready to dedicate yourself to a, an entirely new career and spend like two or three years training yourself and then like another two years just trying to get a fucking job? You know, it's just it's you know, for me, it it took a t- it took a total of five years of like busting my ass every day to get to the point where I was like, where I didn't have to have any other job, but voiceover. And that's the thing that people don't realize is that you can't, it's, it, it basically be like, you just won, you know, your high school track meet. And you're like, I'm ready for the Olympic team. Let's go. And because that's the thing is that, you know, there's no minor leagues. As soon as you start doing VO, you're going up against John DiMaggio. You know what I mean? Like as soon as you get an agent and you're submitting shit, you're going up against the best in the business. So that's how good you have to be just to get a shot, you know, and, and being able to read copy and, um, and have, you know, good diction and elocution and, and get the idea of like what's being said across in a smooth way. That takes a long time for people to get to. And that's, and that's like, that's a baseline requirement. And so, you know, when you start to get into the upper echelons of like, of gigs that are out there, it's like the difference between getting a job and not getting a job is razor thin. And, and, and a lot of times you can't even tell, like you put like the, the, the guy that booked it next to the, the guy that almost booked it. And you can tell yeah, that guy should have got it. But it's like, you don't even, it's so subtle. You don't even know why you can't even say like, why? I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, that guy's just better. I don't know. That guy was just more on point. And a lot of times that doesn't even necessarily have to do with your talent. It can just come down to your interpretation of it, which is different from person to person. So it's just one of those things where like, you have got to just like really dedicate yourself to it and treat it like a, like a, like a career, like you would any other career, you know, like, would you, like you would, consider like a professional athlete's career or, you know, professional career in business or something like that. Yeah. I think, uh, people underestimate the level of work and training that's involved for something you like, like voiceovers, you know, people maybe don't think about it. They think it comes naturally to people and they're just born with that voice Yeah, and that they don't have to work hard to get to where you're at. Yeah. And so they don't realize what it takes. Mm. And probably looking for some sort of shortcut, which doesn't exist. Yeah. And then every once in a while, you're going to have someone who just got 
really, really lucky and who was at the right place at the right time and is now like at the top of the game. And those things probably do happen, but I imagine they, they really, really have to be far and few in between. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, my, my, my old acting coach called that fairy dust. Every once in a while, somebody gets a little fairy dust sprinkled on them and, and they, they, they'll hit something off the bat. But you know what? A lot of times, like the people that, that just like hit a big gig early on before they get a lot of training, you know, they'll fizzle out pretty quickly afterwards. And um, uh, unless they really make a point of like bringing their game up to something that's going to give them longevity in their career, you know? And, and so, you know, for, for me, it was a lot of classes. It was a lot. I mean, there was a year of my life where, my entire life was get up, go to auditions, come home, read off of any piece of paper that had words on it that I could find for four hours straight, go to the gym and go to my restaurant job, you know, and then and some crying. There was some there was some crying. There, there was there was some extensive masturbation that happened just to try to, like, break up the drudgery of it all. <laughs> but during that time, I didn't fucking talk to anybody. You know what I mean? It was just like I had a very singular focus. And um, and so but then, you know, a miracle came out of that. You know, I got lucky, but I was ready when the opportunity. Yeah, came. but I I feel like I say this like it's a broken record. But luck is when opportunity meets uh, preparation in my mind. Absolutely. I believe in that 100 percent, man. So now the obvious question I have for you is where does your name come from? Um, oh, so many stories that I've made up over the years. Um, the short story is uh, hippie sailor parents. The longer story is, is that uh, my parents were doing a lot of sailing. They had a, um, an import-export business and they would go over to Southeast Asia uh, and they had a junk. They had a Chinese junk that they converted and they would sail around um, to different places buying uh, different jewelry to sell back in the States. And, um, and my mom was pregnant with me that, that whole time. And so we were on the ocean constantly and scuba diving and all this stuff. And so, you know, whenever when my mom was pregnant and, and I, would, I would move around or kick, she'd be like, oh, there's that motion. And then, you know, they were on the ocean. And I don't know if this actually happened, but this is the story that I love to tell. My dad was basically like, motion. We'll call him motion. Everyone thinks it's gonna cool. It's gonna be cool. It's not gonna be a pain in the ass for him at uh, in uh, junior high or elementary school at all. He's gonna fucking thank us. <laughs> I think the toughest part would have been those early, those early formative years. But it's a unique name, so I'm, I'm, it's cool now, right? You know, it was a nightmare until I got to college, and then all of a sudden, everyone thought it was the coolest thing ever, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. I can work with this." <laughs> so do you have any preference uh motion or i know you go by mo as well yeah either one Mo's just easier to uh less, less explanation and the mo show was mo show there you go yo so there must be a lot <laughs> of pressure to have the name your name on this show because at the end of the day no matter how many folks you have on board and how many team members you have participating in in the sketches and the writing credits and all that sort of stuff, uh, you've decided, you've made the decision to put 
your name, your stamp on this. And so that has to color some of what you feel, the pressure you feel for what you're going to get out of the door and what you're going to okay at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I, there was, there was, there's, there's been some moments where I'm like, I can't believe I'm putting my stamp on this shit. Like, I cannot believe we're saying this shit in this show and it's called the Mo show, you know? (laughs) And so, um, but, uh, I mean, talk about life lessons, you know what I mean? Like it, it, however I feel about what other people think about it, it's still something that I think is awesome and hilarious and fun. And I have so much fun and I have fun with my friends doing it. They love it. We all love it. We all have, I mean, there's, there's literally been episodes where I've had to have the crew convince me not to cut it. And, you know, and so I had to basically just get over myself, you know what I mean? And just be like, you know what, this is going to offend people. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. Fuck it. It's me. It's who I am. And I want to be creatively expressed. So fuck it. Here you go, world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone who creates anything that comes from the heart wants it to be an expression of, of them. Right. And I think a lot of times too many people try to create something that they think other people want to hear. Yeah. And obviously that's going to be to the detriment of the quality of the show because it's going to be watered down it's going to sound like everything else and it's not going to have your passion and embedded in it and what you've just stated is really the mantra that most every podcaster should adhere to make something for for what you want to hear for what you like first yeah and then as it grows out and as you know the show becomes more, more popular and maybe you get input from other folks you can tailor as necessary but start with your passion first well we've we've created such a great rapport with just within the group and 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 that was another one of our goals you know like we wanted to create a comedy troupe and um and we've all worked on stage we've all worked on camera um you know this is something that we're creating in this environment because it's something that we have a lot of resources in but uh, would i love to do a live show oh my god fuck yeah that would be so fun well it's really exciting because the enthusiasm is obviously there and i'm I'm hoping that the show is gonna pick up steam and get more popular we'll see man i hope so i mean really like when we when we set out to do this the 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 number one goal was to just have fun and you know i gotta say we're having fun well, Mr. Motion Melvin, by hook or by crook, we finally pulled this interview off. We did it, dude. We did it. <laughs> For those listeners that do not understand what a long time coming this was, uh, I'm happy we finally got to talk. And I just have one last uh, fun question for you. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? The most misunderstood thing about me? <laughs> okay, so here, here the uh, the truth of the matter is is that I am a completely neurotic, insecure fuck. Like every single thing I do, I'm like, is this, am I going to get away with it? Is this cool? I'm, is, do people like me? I'm, like, <laughs> and uh, and 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 you know, when I meet people and I and I tell them that, they're like, really? Because you seem like a cocky asshole. So I don't know. Trying to cover up something in there. (laughs) For all the evenings you spent crying at home. (laughs) Exactly. And we have been. (laughs) It's not working. (laughs) It's easier to focus on the negative sometimes 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's more fun to make fun of insecurities than people's cockiness. Well, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on. It's been an honor. Thank you, Harry Duran. You're doing a you're doing a wonderful service, by the way, for the podcast community. Getting us out there. I appreciate it. Well, it's mutual because I appreciate the hard work that you and the team put into this show and it it's really a reflection of your commitment to putting out quality. On behalf of the podcast community, we all appreciate your appreciation. <laughs> so where's the best place for folks to track you down? TheMoShowPodcast.com is our website. Uh, you can get us on iTunes. Uh, we're on Podnose now uh, and uh, Stitcher. Which is a thing. It's, it's apparently a thing. Look it up. Podnose. You'll find it. Um, and there's a weird thing going on. If you're looking for us on iTunes – we're working with them on this. Um, search for uh, just Mo Show Podcast, not the Mo Show Podcast. So it's a little thing if you're looking on iTunes. Well, this was a blast, Mo. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Harry. So I hope you understand what Jason is trying to do with the show. And it's more than just trying to be uh, controversial with the subject matter and cross lines and... <laughs> be raunchy just for the sake of, of uh, being raunchy. The more I spoke to him during this conversation, the more I realized how, number one, talented this whole crew is. It's just amazing. If you hear, if you get a chance to hear some of these episodes, it's just ridiculous how, um, how well produced, how well scripted uh, everything about the show is. They've got a couple more episodes this episode they were uh, this season and they're already getting started on season 2 and i think they're they they really really put a lot of work into what they put out and it shows and i learned a bit about the history of comedy on the radio and learned about folks like lord buckley and word jazz and joe franks these are folks and people that i i, I just didn't know anything about and I was just really happy with the way the conversation was going. And I, I hope you guys give him a shot and listen with an open mind. Um, and I'm just excited about the fact that it's a, it's a new show and I'm trying to get it as much exposure as possible. So I really see nothing but good things ahead for Mo and the team. And uh, I've, like I said, I did get to hang out with him at LA Podfest. And he's really a solid guy. And hopefully I, can, I get to make a cameo on the show at some point, which I think will be a lot of fun. So you might have heard me mention at the top of the show that we are now part of the Podcastica Network. And I've been having some conversations with Jason Kabasi, who was on episode 56. And we really just hit it off. And um, he had the network started. And uh, long story short, we were able to make podcast junkies part of that family, which uh, I'm really happy about. I've been trying to look out for networks that would be a good fit and trying to see where I could find a home and people that are like-minded and podcasts uh, and podcast hosts that I can relate to. So Jason has done a stellar job of putting a, a group of fan casts together to start. So there's Once Upon a Podcast, Evil Dead cast, um, Under the Comic Covers, Game of Microphones, and the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. So those are the first folks that are on there. And there's a lot of uh, fan 
podcasts, but we've had discussions with Jason about growing that out as well. So we really are going to partner together to grow this network into something really uh, wide ranging in terms of the podcasts that we invite on. So we're going to be a little bit picky because we want to make sure there's a fit for folks that come on. But I can't tell you how excited I am to be partnering with Jason on this and excited about joining these folks. So if you get a chance, I've been listening to the Walking Dead cast. I'm really a fan of the show and they do a stellar job. The episodes run for about an hour and a half. And so this latest uh, episode is the one that kicks off season six. So if you haven't seen season six, it's an incredibly ambitious show. The writers and the the director did a kick-ass job. And I won't reveal too much if you haven't seen it already. So go check out. uh, So once you do check it out, then head on over to Walking Dead episode 195, first time again, and have Jason and Karen really walk you through what exactly has happened um, and break down the specifics of the podcast. And they do a fantastic job of that. So um, over the the course of the next couple of episodes, I'll be letting you know about some of the other shows in detail that are on the network. But if you get a chance, go ahead and check them out. And the easiest place to do that is podcastica.com. So super excited about where that's headed. Don't forget the support for this show can continue at podcastjunkies.com and leave the ratings and reviews. I didn't see any last week and that just might have been an oversight on your part. So now that you remember that that's something that you should be doing if you haven't done so already, head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes and take care of that. Pronto. This week's uh, listener retention hashtag is going to be uh, Mo Knows. Uh, because of our guest today, Motion, Motion, <laughs> otherwise known as Mo, we'll make the podcast. We'll make the sorry, not the podcast. We'll make the uh, hashtag uh, Mo knows M O K N O W S. Thanks again for listening all the way to the end, my super loyal podcast junkies, junkies. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>